Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 221 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm feeling more hopeful now that we have a vaccine. And this week is the start of Persian New Year. As you guys know, I'm Iranian American and our new year is the first day of spring and it's very special for for many Iranians including myself and I'm taking a week off to go hiking and camping with my husband we're going to Bryce Canyon Zion Canyon all these wonderful canyons in Utah and Arizona and I'm telling you I'm beyond excited this is the first real vacation I'm taking since COVID started and my husband and I we are both vaccinated so we felt it was safe to go and see what's out there (laughs) well I hope you guys are also doing something exciting this spring today we're going to talk about sex as a form of healing specifically about our relationship in our bodies with our sexuality because sensation is a language of our body I was having this conversation with one of my clients a few weeks ago and she was telling me that she doesn't know how sexy feels like in her body and we're talking about how she can connect with her sensations and now ever since we we did some exercises she felt more in tune with her sexuality so today in this episode we're going to talk more about how you can work through the numbness during the sex. We're going to talk about how shame shows up in our bodies and what we can do to address that. Our guest is Tara Galliano. She has worked with women for over two decades to get their sexy back. She knows that there is pleasure in the body beyond our wildest dream and every woman can access it. Tara is truly an exceptional therapist and you can read her full bio and also find the link to her book in the show notes. Before we dive into our episode today, I wanted to thank our sponsor this week. Our sponsor is OMG Yes. One of result of taboo and silence around pleasure is lack of words. From OMGS's large-scale research in partnership with Indiana University and Yale researchers, most of the specific ways of touching that are sexually pleasurable for women with vulva didn't even have names yet. Author Peggy Ornstein said, there is no better way to make something unspeakable than not to name it. One of the main benefits of OMGS.com users report is having more words for what they like after using the site. It is fascinating to recognize something you really like but hadn't even formalized it in your own head before. One of the things that I really like about them is the animations and videos of real people that they have. And these people are demonstrating some of these techniques that is research proven 
I invite you to check it out. The website is omgyes.com. Sexology podcast listeners get a discount at omgyes.com. That's omgs.com slash sexology. They offer free access to certified nurses, clinicians, and therapists. So you can check it out before recommending it to your clients. You can find the email that you can use to contact the website to get the free access. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Tara Galliano. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have a wonderful author and clinician back on our show. We had her on the show, I think, last year or so, and this is exciting to talk to her again. So our guest is Tara Galeana. Tara, welcome back. Oh, thanks so much. It's such a pleasure to be here again. You know, I, I was just sharing with you how much I loved your new book. So it's called Rediscovering my body and it has beautiful prompts and illustrations. So we can definitely talk more about that. But tell us, how did you get into writing this book? Well, I actually had written this book a number of years ago, and it was from the work that I had done with women who are on a cancer journey. And so, so much of the information that I was gathering from them was information that I was actually using to teach a class. And then it came to me that I needed to put this class content in a book. And I did that a number of years ago. And then this past year, because of coronavirus, I was looking at what can I repurpose? And that was one of the things I thought, oh my goodness, here is this book that needs to come out into the world and I want to transform it so it's for all women and not just for women who've had cancer. But the primary inspiration was from the women who have had cancer. But now I just feel like it's for all women. You know, what's interesting is I think based on my experience as a psychologist, at times I I experienced one of the bigger barrier for many women to enjoy sex is their struggle of getting comfortable in their body and kind of really tune into their sensations and arouse and all of those things that happens during an sexual context. So I think that's that's why it's so important for people to get curious about their bodies and address any of those residual emotion that resides in their body. So I think your book is a wonderful tool for that. Thank you. Yeah. And it was really important for me. I really wanted women to frame their experience from their own perspective and claim it that they are the expert on themselves. And so it's not a cerebral book. It's not one that's erudite. It's it's really just a, a hands-on guidebook with beautiful pictures and beautiful activities because I wanted women to be able to use it and really reference it so they can come back to themselves and recognize that this these are the data points that they've collected about themselves in this bodily experience. I know in the book, you talk about sex being a form of healing. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things, especially the women that were struggling with cancer. So the women that I saw that had had cancer who were having sex with themselves and they were or they were having sex with a partner were much more vibrant and that they were on a path of healing because they were knowing themselves and sharing that sense of love with another if they chose to. And what I found was that there was a sense of healing for them because there was a greater sense and appreciation of self-love. And I think that's a really critical piece is that self-love fosters healing. 
beautiful. And at least with my clients that they are survivors, whether they recently went through cancer treatment or any other kind of medical treatment, I think it's very empowering when they are leaning into claiming their pleasure because for for a while they are battling this life-threatening situations and Mm -hmm. that gets them into more of kind of like the place of survival. And I think it's important to learn to pay attention to pleasure again. So I think this this can be a really good tool for people to explore. So tell us also about some of the barriers that you see in women in general that gets in the way of them kind of experiencing that element of embodiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many different things that I have seen. I would say the biggest one is shame, that there's this overlay of shame and that they're not able to access fully their desire or their pleasure. And that can have so many different forms, whether it has been uh, contributed to to their own self-esteem because of cancer or because of religious beliefs or other cultural judgments. But what has happened is that they've internalized those beliefs and it's created a barrier for them and they're not able to access their deepest pleasure. What I've also seen, particularly for women, is that they find it hard to claim their own pleasure because they're referencing other people. And so they reference their partner and they see how the pleasure that they experience is in relationship to the person that they're being sexual with and that it is not really necessarily their own completely. And they don't know exactly what that means to have their own pleasure for their own pleasure, like to have that and really claim that for themselves. So I see the cap. And those are at least two of the biggest barriers that I've seen for women really becoming in contact with their body is this inability to claim their desire and also uh, the overlay of shame that we experience culturally, really. So I think that's so important, kind of like paying attention to your body and kind of like the shame piece. And sometimes I know one of the things that you talked about in the previous episode and also in the book about the shame around our self-image, like body image, not liking our body, whether it's because of the changes we experience through aging, whether it's because of medical treatment, it's really hard for specifically for women to set that aside. And that gets in the way of embodiment, whether it's like they're having sex with a partner or whether they are kind of like exploring their own bodies. How can we change that conversation with our body? Oh, and that's such an important conversation to have. And the way that I like to begin it, as I like to begin most of these things, is that really with the baby steps and that what can we do to be gentle with ourselves and really shift the conversation? So what is it, the one thing, and usually people can find the one thing that they like about themselves. They maybe like their hair or they like their eyes. And so they can claim that about themselves. And then once they really focus in on that and have the experience of self-love and begin to feel that, that it is like a seedling and it's nurtured and it can grow. And so then they can begin to name two more items or three more items about themselves, maybe not always physical characteristics, although those are really good for helping change the body image, but it can also be qualities or character qualities that they like about themselves that they know that they truly embody. Well, you know, what's interesting as sex therapists, I give people lots of tough assignments and I feel like my clients are really good with doing assignments. But one of the assignments that I have the lowest return is kind of like identifying things that you like about yourself. At times I even push my clients, like, make sure you're texting that to me every day and maybe they're doing it every day. 
<laughs> and they're not following up because it's really, really hard because this self-hatred voice can be very strong and it oh, takes yes. a while for us to change that. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, and, and that's the other thing is I absolutely agree. And what I find, and I, I really learned this in the classes that I taught, is that when we do this together in a community, that there's more opportunity for transformation, that the healing can be so exponentially powerful when we're doing it with other people. And so if you can't notice that about yourself, I would say another woman might be able to point it out. Well, you look great in the color yellow, you know, that it's some something so obvious to everybody else, but something that we don't see about ourselves. And when we have that relationship with another and we know that what they're saying is true and honest, we feel like, okay, I can begin to believe that about myself because I know that what they're saying is true. And that really helps the process. So I do work with women in a digital community, which I think is great that they have the support of each other because myself as an expert, yes, I'm offering one view, but that there's this, I would say, symbiotic relationship that the women are creating and that they're all having the sense of exploration and self-love and self-growth through the process of being in the community. And certainly I get so much out of the process as well. That's beautiful. I would imagine you agree that like many times healing happens in, in a group setting, whether it's a healing from our past trauma or from the pain. It's really powerful to share your experiences with people that they, you know, that Brenda Brown said, like they earn your right to hear your story. So how beautiful yes. that you're kind of like encouraging women to at almost lean in each other. To, yes. to find those things that they like about each other. I think that's a beautiful practice. Yes, I think it's so important. I always say that we're not meant to do this life alone and that it really is helpful to have other people, to have sisters reflect and mirror back the good qualities of yourself because they see them. Well, one other common challenge that I hear from women is that they talk about this numbness, that I cannot feel my body, I cannot feel my genital, or even when we're starting to be sexual, that that sensation completely leaves me. So tell us how can we kind of reacquaint ourselves to our bodies during those moments? Is there any way that we can cultivate that skill? Yes. Yeah. And so I would say numbness is a sensation, that that is a felt sense, Uh uh-huh, And so then to be curious about that and to deepen into that and where do you feel that numbness and what does it feel like? And and at what point in your body does the numbness end? Because after that, there is a felt sense of something different. And so really feeling into that. And when people are and women are able to gather their senses of curiosity and observation and kindness to a certain certain degree where they're able to drop in and listen that there is such information that comes to them. And so when they hit the wall and say that there's numbness, that's the barrier that they can't get past, that the invitation then is always to just go a little bit deeper. And so I invite them to do that. And oftentimes they're able to when they just allow themselves to. And so it's really being curious about the sensation of numbness. Oh, that's such a beautiful reminder that like, you're right, the numbness is a feeling. And that's interesting that then we're kind of like tuning back in our body and see where we have some sensation. I think that's that bringing you that curiosity versus the judgment is very, very powerful because I know you talk about that in the books that sometimes as we're doing these somatic experiencing exercises, paying attention to our body, sometimes if that's a skill we haven't had, we can get frustrated very quickly. 
and we can give up. So I think it's important to almost be curious and kind of practice it in that way. Yeah. So yeah, and and I and I do talk about judgment in the book because I think that that is goodness, one of the biggest obstacles that we face as women, that we judge ourselves and that we feel that others are judging us. And so then we're not as inclined to be curious. But when we're all in the group or, you know, we're engaging as curious beings, that there's so much more openness. And I find that it's easier than to embrace self-love as opposed to shutting down, which is what happens when we are stuck in judgment. There's a shutting down of our sensory perception. There's a shutting down of our ability to observe, shutting down of our curiosity. I agree with you. And, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate that the judgment we're hearing, it's its kind of reflection of what our partner, partners or partner is telling us. So what if we are in a relationship that the partner is critical of us? Is there any way we can kind of like practice this for ourselves and being open, remaining open with the partner? Yeah, that is tough. I have seen that quite a bit particularly working with the women with cancer as their bodies were changing, partners might be insensitive and say, I remember when, and I really liked this about you. And now that's not there. And I don't find you attractive. And so really painful, painful experiences. And what I noticed, at least in the group, was that the women then were rallying for that woman who had it, who had that negative experience. And what I would say is that oftentimes we would, yeah, we as women take that on. And to know that if that was our daughter, that was our sister, if that was our mother, we would never allow that to be said. And so really holding such high regard for ourselves that we hold for other people and know that those, yeah, those things being said are not okay. And that we really need to have appropriate boundaries and be respectful of ourselves. And if our partner is not being sensitive or is being mean or judgmental, then we need to tell them that that's not okay. And if we don't, then they won't know. Sometimes they're just not not aware. And sometimes they just need to be told that that's not okay. And other times you find out that it's a perpetual cycle and that's the only way that they really know how to relate to you. And then it becomes really problematic. And then that relationship may need to change. Well, I like that. And I like that you're talking about like leaning into the support that you have. Because sometimes when, when we're struggling, as, as you mentioned earlier, it's useful to, to kind of share this information with, with people in our life and hear their, see their reaction and what they're saying to that. And I think it's important to communicate that with our partners because I think that that can at least give them this information that this, this is impacting me. Because you're right, sometimes it can come from the place of not having the awareness or yes. thinking this is a, this is a kind of a, a minor comment I'm making, why are you overreacting? But I think it's important to verbalize what, what you're struggling with and also having your own back and your body is back in a, in a way with kind of like advocating for having respectful, caring relationship with partners. I think one thing that you were, as I was going through your book that I was thinking, reflecting about that, how different experiences that we have sexually impacts our sexual schema and narrative. Mm-hmm. Because I was mm-hmm. doing this prompt page about 
first sexual encounter. Yeah. And that was very interesting. I haven't thought about it for years. I was like, oh God, I have this. These are the emotions that's showing up for us. So it's interesting that at times for me, for, at times we have this kind of like the chapters of our lives that you think we dealt with, but then now there, there are some emotions connected to that. And I think it's important to work through those. Yes, I absolutely agree. I think that there are layers and that we see that, especially when women have had a healing crisis that they they imagine that there's a survival layer and that they're one and done and that's okay but when the anniversary of that treatment has come around or that surgery come around comes around that there's another layer and i think that is for our first sexual experiences for all experiences that we hold in our body on a, in a cellular way that There are anniversaries that we revisit or there are memories that we revisit that are in our bodies and that there's layers of them. And the first layer may be much more dramatic and then the under layers might be much more subtle, but they are informing us and really flavoring how we show up in the moment today. And I I love that there's this opportunity for discovery with that. Again, that it's not one and done, but there can be certainly more information there, especially around this first sexual experience because oftentimes that creates a template for a person about what future relationships will look like. So that's a really rich opportunity and and one that I encourage people to take. I think that it's great to observe our history, to honor our histories, to know where we've been, to know where we'd like to go. And that's such a valuable experience. I agree with you. And it's interesting that other kind of like parts of oh, some, some of my clients' experience that I think it's important for them to process. And we talk about that time, but they're not thinking about it. When they lost a child, when there was a pregnancy got terminated for a number of different reasons, and they think they dealt with that. And years later, the emotional piece, and they feel like I have struggles with sexual dysfunctions or a number of different things. And there, there is a processing that needs to happen. So I think it's important to revisit these conversations that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, and that's why I love this idea of the guidebook. That's why I made it beautiful and that it's a journal. So this way you can begin to capture those ideas and really understand your history, uh, where you've been, and where you would like to go. Because when you write that down, you can revisit it, you can review it, and you can really honor it in a way that is different from holding it within your own mind and not necessarily sharing it. But when you write it down, it really gives you an opportunity to share it. And I do think that there's a lot of power in speaking it, even if you're only reading it to yourself. There's it's such a powerful experience. I love that. Again, I think there there there's definitely a place for psychoeducation, self-help books. I think those are useful, but I think sometimes we're not pausing and processing things. And I think that's why kind of having a book that's guided also, it's very valuable and needed. So for our listeners that they they had for any number of reasons, some sexual pauses and they want to like to, they would like to reconnect with their bodies. What are some of the first steps you invite them to take? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, again, I like to invite people to do things really gently and to meet themselves where they're at. So noticing the moments of pleasure that they already have in their day and to begin to catalog them and acknowledge them that being in the sun and feeling the sunshine on their skin is really delicious or being in the rain and feeling the moisture on their hair is really enlivening or eating a delicious meal is something that really fortifies them. So coming back into the senses is a very simple way 
to reconnect to pleasure and to reconnect to self-love. And if you like something that you're already doing and you can feel the pleasure, then you can begin to do more of it and explore that further. I just think there's so many ways that we experience pleasure that we don't give enough credit to or that we don't appreciate enough. And, and again, there are things that we're already doing. So it's not like we have to reinvent the wheel and it makes things easier. So I like these baby steps like that. And then coming back into the senses are, are things that we could do for ourselves, like a little mini massage. So it's not something that I might ordinarily do, like eating or being in the sunshine, but I'm going to go a step up and beyond. And it's still very easy. It's something that it's not going to be, I need to buy five different things before I can put it on my calendar and do it. So I can do it in this moment. It's just a little bit of a step outside of my comfort zone. And so that is the direction where I lead my clients where it's yes. So now let's try something a little bit more unusual for you. And everybody has that. Yes. And I I like that you're talking about there's a need to be something extraordinary that you're doing. Because sometimes I feel people kind of set themselves for disappointment when they're going on these journeys of thinking about that this, these tools will change my mood completely. These are baby steps, as you talked about, like, you know, maybe <laughs> incorporating massages and kind of like paying attention to as you're doing these self-care activities, because sometimes my clients that are more kind of cognitively based, as they're doing these exercises, they're not even paying attention to their sensation, what's happening. <laughs> so then what would yes. be the point of it? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So interesting. And so then bringing the ordinary to the level of extraordinary. And so maybe it is when they decide that they're going to eat a meal, right? Because everybody's eating most of the day at some point that they decide to light a candle. And so bringing maybe the sacred to that meal and also then adding the extra benefit of engaging their senses or maybe they burn some incense. And so, you know, there's extra sensory perceptions, if you will, that they're incorporating in that meal that they're already having anyway. So elevating that experience is really a simple thing that I think is so beautiful. Such a beautiful reminder, kind of elevating the experience, because I think especially right now that it's amidst of quarantine and global pandemic, people think the options available to them are limited, which, which, which the options are limited, but you still have some agency of bringing pleasure and small doses in your life. So I think that's, that was such a beautiful invitation. So I bet many of our listeners are curious about your book, where they can get it. Please tell us more about that. Wonderful. So my book is available on Amazon. And that is the best way to get it. And I also am offering a digital community companion that you can check out at the link below. And what it does is it goes through the process of the book. So there's a book study in the digital community. And there's also some other gathering times where there's lessons that are based on the teachings that are in the book. Beautiful. So I'll make sure that we leave a link in the show notes to the community and also to the Amazon website. And again, thank you so much for sending me the copy. This was such a beautiful way of me re- having a reopening the conversation with my body. And I'm sure this will help many of our listeners. Oh, thank you so much, Naz. It's been a pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I personally love Tara's book. I've been using it as a journal to explore my body more. And I recommend it to a few of my clients and they loved it. Also, if you are curious about problem solving your sex life, you feel there's something wrong, you're not sure exactly what's going on, I developed this quiz that you can take. I think it takes about maybe two minutes and it helps you to problem solve the areas of your sexual health that's not working for you. And after you completing the test, you will get the recommendation for resources. So I encourage you to check it out. And then I again wanted to thank our sponsor, OMGS. One of the fascinating thing about their website is kind of like showing all of these different ways of you can have sex and kind of touch your partner. When it comes to penetration, I didn't know there are this many variations. So if you are curious to how to up your game and explore different ways of connecting with your partner, definitely check out their website. The website is omgs.com sexology. Thank you so much for listening to this show and we'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to the Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.